0: Episode 50 chapter 1 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Chris Lambert. And I'm Josh Havens.
1: And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that he would help you grow today
0: in the everyday moments of life. Today, we're talking to Justin Zarati, author of Made for These Times. Justin Zarati is the founder of These Numbers Have Faces, a social enterprise investing in the next generation of African leaders. After 10 years of running the organization, Justin successfully transitioned and is now the president of Giving Fuel, an innovative fundraising platform empowering thousands of organizations worldwide. He's the author of two books Made for These Times and Doing Work That Matters. He holds a B.A. in Communication Studies from Westmont College and an M.A. in International Conflict Resolution from Portland State University. An obsessive soccer fan and weekend landscaper, Justin lives with his family in Portland, Oregon. God has a calling on your
1: life, and part of a lifestyle of discipleship is serving with purpose in that calling. When you do this well, you feel great about yourself and who you are. It's like everything is right in the world. To say it another way, you feel fulfilled. But what happens when you're calling and the work you find so fulfilling faces obstacles and setbacks? What do you do when the people you love most tell you your dreams and your work aren't worth pursuing? In this first chapter of our conversation with Justin, he tells his own story of following God's call on his life as he started an organization to fund the education of African young people. But it wasn't an easy journey, and along the way, he encountered multiple obstacles but he also found help as he continued to pursue God's call on his life in service to others.
0: Justin, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thanks for having me, guys.
0: You're really good to be talking with you. Um, I love books like yours, Made for These Times, A Startup Guide to Calling Character and Work That Matters. Um, I'm one of those guys who are just kind of constantly drawn to this sort of uh, work. And so uh, when, I, when I saw a work like this pop up at the bookstore, I was like, well, oh, I got to get this and check it out. And so I've really, really enjoyed reading about your story and, and digging into the book. But before we jump into the book, usually that's where we start. And I thought maybe for this conversation, I want to start somewhere else. I want to start with the organization that you founded, uh, These Numbers Have Faces. So because mm-hmm. I think that's going to be a little bit better place just to get into your life and, and, and describe to us who you are. Um, number one, tell us what this organization is about. And then I want to know how a guy like you founded this really, really cool organization. Cause you did it at a young age when most people are, you know, more concerned with, you know, playing video games or maybe just even getting out of the house and you're founding an organization. So that's pretty radical.
2: Yeah, man, I think, and I, funny enough, like this was gosh, 2007. So the global economy was in shambles or about to, and it was like the worst time ever to try and start something based on the uh, charity of others. Um, but then I just kind of felt this unique calling. I had a pretty wild experience living in, um, in South Africa and felt like I had to respond to that and we can talk about that. But, um, it was just one of those things that I was 23 at at the time. And yeah, a lot of my friends were working at coffee shops or finishing up school or, you know, trying to get out of their parents' basements or whatever. And here I was on my couch trying to start these numbers have faces and raise a few thousand dollars from friends and family and, you know, had no idea what it would become.
0: Yeah. So what, so what are you, what are you raising this money to do then?
2: Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, we invest in young young leaders throughout East Africa. So we uh, provide university scholarships for young people. We, we run a really dynamic business ex- accelerator program and really help try and uh, develop the next generation of young young African leaders. And I uh, started on my couch trying to help one young person that I met in South Africa expanded across the continent. Uh, now we impact about 30,000 lives across uh, East Africa and crazy to see it kind of go from this one thing that i was starting to try and help my friends uh, over there i think i started a really terrible myspace page to create <laughs> to like raise funds and everything it, i think it had some like really bad track playing like you know like like when you land on it, it had some really dumb song or something back in the day like this was before all that stuff and um uh yeah so but you know to see it then grow to what it is today and um and then for me i mean i transitioned away from leading it a few years back now, and even the process of now hiring a new team and a new director, and then just seeing it grow from there, uh, has been a part of the full uh, full uh, journey for sure.
1: Why the name "These Numbers Have Faces"? What's the story behind that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I um, I admit it's it can be a little bit confusing, maybe, or someone wouldn't know what it is. I just found something like the Africa uh, project, like so boring in some ways. And, uh, the concept too, was that as I was living in South Africa, i meeting all these amazing young, young people, all that you, that we were hearing at that time, uh, was about, you know, HIV AIDS or conflict or crime or all these things. And so much of it was about these terrible statistics that are coming out of Africa, especially at that time now. And, um, just felt really strongly. Like I wanted to speak out against that and say, these are real people that, that, that you should care about. And so I kind of took, let's see, like CS Lewis's till we have faces, this concept. And then there was this like thrash punk band that I liked called, um, these arms are snakes or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of like combined it into this thing. These numbers have faces and my girlfriend wife or now wife, uh, kind of helped me construe that and once folks got it it had this really important meaning and um and we like that and it is it is different um but it was helpful i think during that time for our uh, our growth early on
0: well it's a cool name too because it just says right out the gate who you guys are focused on you know it's 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 not just the statistics and you know i mean we 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 know those and statistics can sometimes make you feel bad, but man, like when you get a real face and that's what you're talking about, man, you're really trying to connect it to people. And so that's really cool, (laughs) especially because you didn't even, did you intend for it to become a thing or were you just, were literally trying to help just one guy? So how does, how does it go from helping one guy to helping the second guy and the third guy? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: Good question. I mean, I met this kid and, uh, who wanted to go to college, I was playing on this soccer team in South Africa, and he was on the same team. And I just felt like I wanted to help him and felt like I wanted to incorporate it, like make it a real thing. So I wanted to name it something, build this terrible MySpace page, right? (laughs) And then um, from there, you know, the whole goal then was, gosh, I was trying to raise $3,000, like that first year to help pay for him to go to college, thinking that would kind of be the end of it. Um, and clearly like God had this crazy idea in mind to impact those folks there to impact my life, to have me bring in, you know, dozens of people on our team, you know, thousands of donors, uh, to see their lives transformed through it. Um, that I just had no idea, no, uh, plan for, but it's just kind of how he works and things. Mm-hmm. And so I was faithful on this first step of just trying to do this one thing. And I think, you know, if you read the book, I tell the story, but I, I um, went to Powell's Books, which is the famous bookstore here in Portland, and I bought a book, uh, How to Start and Build a Nonprofit, because I had no idea what I was doing. I was completely clueless. Um, I think I got a, like a C-plus in my one and, and only business class in a college. I was like not the guy for this at all. But for, for some reason, I was just tenacious about it, and I was just driven by this urgency, by this deep connection to this guy and the soccer team back then, and um, to wanting to Had my life be about something different. I had this deep kind of identity thing of just wanting to do something significant. And, and then I also kind of had this weird thing from the Lord that was just like this, like nagging sensation, this calling where I felt like he was kind of like after me Mm -hmm. to just go for it and step out and try something and risk and have courage. And uh, that's what I was trying to do in some ways. And this was the reflection of it, you know, back then.
0: Yeah. That's, that's really cool. I think a lot of us can relate to that feeling of feeling like God is pulling us in a direction, maybe not knowing exactly where it's going to go. Um, I know you ran into a lot of roadblocks on the way. Like this wasn't an easy journey. It's easy, you know, to kind of like recap it now and uh, yeah. and, and to come over. But you do. You tell stories in the book where, you know, there were moments where you were— um, like Literally, you didn't know how you were going to do this at all. And you'd kind of made commitments and, and, and nothing to come through. What goes through your mind during those uh, moments when it really feels like you don't know the way forward? It, I, I guess I'll back up and maybe beat around the bush for a little bit. I hate asking questions like this <laughs> that I can't get to the point. Um, I guess what I'm after is so many of us feel lost on this journey. Like we feel like there's something that's called that's calling us that that's pulling in me, myself included. Like I'm, I'm asking this question selfishly, I guess. Um, What is it that keeps you moving forwards in those circumstances when you know that there's something that you should be doing, but it seems like all of the doors are shutting except for maybe there's just that calling that's, that's pulling you forward. Like how did you deal with those moments?
2: Yeah, man, I think, First thing would be admitting that it was hard and that we were in a tough place, that I was in a hard place. And this was early on. And man, like, you know, like fundraising is so hard. Trying to run programs around the world and places that it's kind of hard to work is so difficult. Um, So many roadblocks, so many, even like well-meaning people, friends, family who like say things that are hurtful. They don't mean to be, you Mm -hmm. know, but they're like, the kind of like, well, Justin, like, you know, when are you going to get a real job type of thing, you know, mm-hmm. that you don't like, they don't mean to be mean, but you're like, you're crushing my dreams right now type of thing, you know? Yeah. And um, gosh, I, I think the first and foremost, I was really open about my struggles, really transparent mm-hmm. and vulnerable to people who were close to me. Um, I built a really great little network of friends. Um, I had a group of guys that were all, executive directors or founders of nonprofits in the city where I live. And we would meet for breakfast like every other week and just like slog it out of like, guys, I'm getting killed right now. This is terrible. Fundraising is hard. This thing fell apart. This grant fell through. Uh, You know, I've been traveling for three weeks and I'm away from my family, all the stuff, like the whole mess of it, the spiritual battles. So having a community, having folks that you walk through the fire with, I think was helpful being encouraged by those people so many of the challenges that I think we face in the world come from a feeling of loneliness, of feeling alone, feeling like we're, we're the only ones in the, uh, the uh, universe. And, um, when we can band together, that was really, really helpful for me. I had mm-hmm. so many friends who helped kind of drag me through to these places. Um, gosh, I remember my friend Chase, I was in South Africa and going through tons of resistance and anxiety and I think be it spiritual stuff, be it my own thing. And he said, and I, I wrote about it in the book, he said, you know, don't, um, so it was it was something like don't, you know, give in to the dark, uh, with some with something that was inspired in the light. And mm. the, I had to really remind myself of um these things that God had brought to me that were in the light. Um, you know, don't don't give in uh because there's something here. So I think there was that side of things spiritually battling through. And then lastly, I think was sort of the commitment that I made. I was really focused on the that that I said yes, that I would do this thing. There was a like a, a, a let your yeses be yeses, noes be noes kind of thing of, right, I said that I was going to do this, so I am going to follow through. I'm not going to be one of those people who says this, this one thing and then falls away. And especially in the kind of global development space, there's so many well-intentioned folks who you know, are inspired on a mission trip or inspired on a some experience or watch a documentary or whatever, something happens and they have these moments where they feel that spark. And then, then that fades and things get hard and they just kind of throw in the uh, towel. And I was committed to myself of not going to be one of those people. Um, and so that was a, a, a part of it, too. So th- those kind of things coalescing uh, around me helped me get through some dark times, I think.
0: You know, Seth Godin uh, has a concept in... I don't know what of his books, but it's called The Dip, and it's very much sort yeah. of that that idea of what you just described. It's the in any venture that you start out on, you you can pinpoint a place where you know you're going. It's going to be the hardest, and so um, it's best at the beginning of any sort of significant venture or project that you start to sort of identify that ahead of time so that you're ready for it. Um, totally. But I, it, it's one of those things where I think as Christians we should recognize that when we're in that dip, man, uh, it is. We are up against everything. It's more than just, you know, it happens to be maybe some like a financial thing or it happens to be people just doesn't don't believe in us because we haven't had success. But there's a real spiritual battle going on there as well, gotcha. that the enemy doesn't want us to succeed because people's lives are going to be changed when we are following our vocational call here. And so that dip is the time when you have to push through even harder, develop grit, as you talk about in, uh, in part three of your book, and, and just keep plugging away at it um, because a breakthrough is, is coming on the other side of that. And so if God has called you to something, uh, to be faithful to that calling and, uh, and to persevere through it.
2: Yeah. And I think that like, lastly, the, the spiritual part is so important and people, um, and I think neglect that and think that it's just kind of part of the normal marketplace behavior. And, uh, I found, it was helpful when I really realized that that there was a lot of spiritual stuff going on here. And, uh, and, and I'm frankly, I'm not one to like over spiritualize everything by any means, but like I could feel it. It was real. And it was, it was sincere. And it was really obvious that there were dark forces at play who didn't want us to succeed. And um, again, acknowledging that, realizing that you're in the midst of that, trying to find uh creative ways to kind of get 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 out of that be it physically or spiritually emotionally and then also like part of that too i think is even the like personal health stuff around sleep eating well going for a run every like, every once in a while trying to get your body and just like mind clear of some of this mm-hmm. stuff um it also I, I think plays a real role in that so the folks that have, i think have been most successful in this space way beyond me i've seen them trained um, not just in their their business or their their mission, but trained in the relationships and the support side, and then also trained personally in regards to how they are are going to manage this. So, trying to go to bed on time and, you know, work out or swim yeah. or bike or do something like that. And that, and that stuff actually plays a, a a real role in this whole process.
0: It's true. You know, we consider those things, all, all those good habits that you just uh said as part of our practice, the basics in step two, yeah. like we focus on the spiritual disciplines because sure. you know, it's sort of like, it's, it's that walking with God, but, but um, it's holistic. It's holistic. Exactly. Absolutely. Because we're holistic beings. And uh, if we don't like if you do not have if you have not slept good, it is going to be really hard for you to wake up in the morning and spend any time with the Lord in prayer because you're going to be you're going to be falling asleep.
2: Yep, absolutely. And then even when you're facing challenges, the way that if you haven't slept well or you haven't like, worked out or you've eaten like crap or whatever it is, even the emotional um, challenges that you face. that like we tend to can you get more emotional about things? Maybe you get more. Uh, Like I found that kind of the enemy can like has it's like hook he has his like hooks in on me when I'm the most tired You know, Mm -hmm. that's when you can slip and fall on stuff. That's that's when you can kind of break on things That's that's when you take things more Seriously than you should That's that's when you lash out at someone like all the millions of things, you know, so you're totally right It is holistic and you need all of these things to kind of be in sync to I think really operate at your highest level in some ways
0: As a disciple called to follow Christ, you also have a call in your life to serve others with the gifts and abilities which God has given you. But just because you're called to serve others doesn't mean it will always be easy. There will be moments you face obstacles and encounter difficulties that will make you want to quit. You will have to overcome your own insecurities and grow to be the person God is calling you to be. Your friends and family may not understand your calling and question why you're pursuing it. And the enemy doesn't want you to succeed either. But it's in these moments you most need to remember who you are in Christ because what you have been called to do is not who you are. It's an extension. Your vocation and calling is God's way of inviting you into that work that he is doing to redeem humanity. It's his work, not yours. The results don't depend on you you must simply be faithful to the call and obediently walk with Him through each obstacle. As you do, you will see Him work in your life and in the lives of those around you.
1: How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship?
0: Most Christians
1: think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. But we want to help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible, but natural. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Justin's work, check out justinzarati.com. Then check out the next chapter in our conversation where Justin talks about the way we live and what that says about our identity. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify.